This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Ergel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. Well, I am so excited to have Tiffany Wells today. Tiffany is the wife of Lunda Wells, tight ends coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you so much for being a part of us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad we could have this conversation today. It's been a long time. I know, a long time since we've connected, back at our LSU days. Now, you're living the NFL coach's wife life. Is it what everyone dreams it would be? Um, Of course not. You know, um, you have the highs and lows with being the NFL wife, and I think all coaches' wives can relate to that. But um, you enjoy the experience and you just embrace the journey, you know, whatever it throws throws at you. Now, your podcast is going to be a little bit different uh, than any I've ever recorded. And the reason why is, number one, I know you really well. (laughs) And number two, (laughs) you are a part of what they call America's team. So I'm going to throw a lot of questions at you. And I want to know, what's the most common question you get? from people in the community when they find out your husband coaches for America's team? Well, the first thing they say is they give me a hard time and they say, oh man, you with the cowboy, <laughs> right? Um, for some strange reason, I think most people in America is not Cowboys fans. Um, but the, the fun fact is normally when we meet people, we try not to tell people um, who we are because we want people to know us for, you know, who we are personally and not because of what wound to do. So, um, most of the time they have no idea, you know, we just say, Hey, we moved to the area or we moved to the neighborhood for work and we don't necessarily specify what work is. And then eventually maybe somebody might see Lunda or a question may come up and say, Hey, who do you work for? And we like, oh, he works for the Cowboys or like in the past, we worked for the Giants. And then they're like, man, I would have never knew. And so you you probably can attest to this, Kristen, where now you become the neighborhood celebrity now once people find out <laughs> right. uh, what your husband do. But we've been fortunate to have like really good neighbors. And, you know, most people are amazed at how down to earth we are because, you know, a lot of times people see um, our husbands on TV with those players and they look at them as celebrities and they realize, hey, they just regular just like us. So. It's, it's, it's always interesting when people give us that look and like, oh, my gosh, I never knew I had a coach staying in my neighborhood. And so. that, Nate, I think it's amazing. I think you're very down to earth and you are who you are because multiple reasons. But one of those is the I have so much respect for you and Linda because you have worked your way up. Your journey hasn't been an easy road. Walk me through your coaching stops. Where did it start for you? So for Luna, it actually started a little bit after college. Um, At that time, we were dating. And so he was like, hey, you know, I know I can't play football anymore. I'm thinking about maybe getting into coaching. And he started working at a local high school in Baton Rouge, Scotlandville, um, Magnet, and where he started coaching the young guys there. And he kind of got into it. And he was like, you know what, I think I want to make this 
you know, coaching thing full time. So um, after that, he was able to get an opportunity at LSU, of course, where I met you, um, where we worked underneath Les Miles for four years. And from that experience, other doors opened up where we was um, able to go to the New York Giants underneath Tom Coughlin at the beginning. And then we was able to work underneath um, head coach Ben McAdoo, as well as Pat Sherman. We was there for eight years. And so now we're going on our second year at the Cowboys where Lunda is working underneath Mike McCartney. So it's been a, a short ride, but a long ride at the same time. We've been fortunate to have um, a long tenure at the Giants and also at LSU. As you know, in this coaching profession, sometimes you can move from one team to the next. You could be on two different teams in a matter of one or two seasons. So we've been fortunate to be at one place for a long time. I want you to think back to your days in South Louisiana. Where did you exactly grow up? And did you ever see your life as a coach's wife? So I grew up in a town called Marrero, Louisiana, which is about 15 minutes from New Orleans. So most of the time I tell people I'm from New Orleans because they like they've never heard of Marrero. Right. Um, and of course, I didn't I didn't think that I would ever be a coach's wife. You know, I tell people. I am the complete opposite of, of Lunda. Um, I was your typical book smart person and I never played sports growing up, um, nor did I watch it. So um, the only thing I had was tunnel vision was being an architect, you know, which I am in, you know, working in and everything else was secondary. I just figured, hey, whenever I meet the right guy, he'll have to embrace what I want to do. And um, hopefully it makes it work. So me being a coach's wife or affiliated with anything in sports was far off my radar. Never (laughs) thought about that. Wow. So how did you actually meet Lunda? So funny thing is um, we had mutual friends in college. We actually met at um, Southern University in Baton Rouge, um, sophomore year, mutual friends was like, hey, you should meet this guy, Lunda. And of course I thought, who name is Lunda, right? <laughs> I'm like, that can't be his real name. Uh, and so one day we just so happened to bump into each other in the library. Um, I was in there doing some studying and he was up in there for um study group with the football team. And so we became friends instantly. And um, from his perspective, you know, he said, well, you know, I wanted to ask you out the first day I met you. Unlike me, I was just not interested. I just thought, okay, hey, he's just a football player. And, you know, I'm not interested in trying to date no athlete. But we became really good friends our sophomore year. And then eventually towards the end of the sophomore year, he asked me out on a date. And I say, okay, I guess I go on a date with him. And everything else is history. From that, we started dating. And um, eventually, you know, he asked me to marry him. So now I've been Mrs. Wells now for over 12 years. So wow. <laughs> Now that's pretty impressive. Now, do you, you said you work, uh, are you an architect? Tell me how that career started out and where are you today in terms of that? So again, like I said, um, I had tunnel vision. I knew since about the age of seven, I wanted to do something in regards to designing and building buildings. And um, when I was in high school, I started taking electives to see whether I wanted to be an architect or an engineer. And when I went off to college, I actually um, got accepted into Southern University Architecture Program, 
where I spent the next six years learning bioarchitecture. And soon after I graduated, I was like, hey, I want to go back to school and get my master's because I really love the policy side of um, architecture. So in the meantime, I was working for the city of Baton Rouge. Um, while Lunda was kind of early on in his career, while he was between high school coaching and at the LSU days, I was working for the city of Baton Rouge um, doing historic preservation and doing a site plan review. I was the coordinator over that department. And um, it was easy to do, you know, because we had that support system with him being from the area and my family being, you know, approximately two hours um, away. And so balancing, you know, work life and I call it coaches, coaching life was easy. At that time, we only had one kid. And so it would help with me working the late nights and then also him working the late nights with having those grandparents kind of helping us out with um helping with the little one who was a baby at that time and now she's 11 so (laughs) I can't believe she's 11 I remember at LSU and you were working and oh she was so precious used to email me pictures and I can't believe she's 11 now you have two children tell me their names yeah so my oldest is Adanya she's 11 and actually be 12 next month and um and that's the one you remember because we had her when we was at LSU and then when we was in New Jersey, we had Zalika. She would be, she's five. She would be six on the first. So um, she came in six years after Big Sis. So we call them A to Z. So <laughs> they're a handful, but we enjoy them. <laughs> now, we you, enjoy them. Did you work so, when you moved to New York? Now the intention, and I would say we always have good intentions being coaches wise, right? We Uh, Most of us, we have ambitions and goals. And so initially the thought was, yeah, I'm going to go out and work when I moved to New Jersey at that time. And so not really knowing anyone and how the, you know, how the area was going out there. I'm like, hey, this is a big city for a small, you know, small town girl. And seeing how people work and stuff, normally they call that area the tri-state area. A lot of people are big commuters going into the city to work. So they might stay in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. They may stay in Delaware. They may, you know, they may stay in, you know, as far as Washington, D.C. to get on a train just to come work in New York City. And so with us, we always kind of kept this thing where we always want to find a house close to the facility, which the Giants facility is in New Jersey. Um, Me trying to go work inside the city in Manhattan or, um, you know, the business district would have been extremely hard in the commute because the traffic, I mean, just trying to commute one way into the city, you're talking about at least an hour. And at that time, our oldest had just turned three and we didn't have that support system that we was accustomed to in terms of having a family and the grandparents. And so um, the the hopes of going work didn't necessarily coincide with us not knowing anyone, but also with the demand of Lunda's schedule. And so the first couple of years, I just stayed at home trying to adjust to this new way of life in terms of being a coach's wife and being a mom and supporting Lunda with him being a, a coach. So 
Um, it didn't initially go the way I, it, I originally planned, but I was fortunate after we got accustomed to being in the area and building friendships with people. Um, about five years after being out there, I got a call from one of my architecture colleagues who was like, hey, Tiff, you know, uh, I know you've been home at a while. And, and it was right on time because I had been itching to get back to work because hmm. I felt like the girls was older. Um, and I kind of had my system and, you know, I felt like, Hey, I need to do something that's for me, you know, and a lot of times that's coaches, why have you pulled and everyone else's direction and you the last person that you think of. So I was like, Hey, architecture has always been my passion. I wanted to get back in it. And so I was thankful that my friend uh, from college who has his own business was like, Hey, you know, do you mind working for me? You can work remote remotely from, um, your house. And so five years after being at the Giants, I started working from home. And that's what I'm currently doing today, uh, where I can adjust my schedule, still be available if the kids get sick or something happens at school, I'm able to drop what I'm doing and go do it. And, you know, he's been very understanding with that, knowing that, hey, I got to have my Sundays available for games. And, you know, if something is going on with the kids or with the husband those 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 two things take top priority over anything so it's been really good to be able to work from home and kind of set my own schedule but also kind of give me something to do and not allocate all my time to Luda and the girl I absolutely love it I love some neat things you said there um you know, a unique situation that not everyone faces. I mean, you're in a huge city, you're patient, and that patience paid off um, to be able to, you to be able to do something you're passionate about. So knowing that your interview is coming up, I went ahead and asked some fans to submit some questions. So I'm going to ask, we're going to play a little game and you can answer the question okay. or you can just play, you can say pass. All right. Okay, so okay, I'm ready. All right, here we go. They want to know what's a home game look like for you? What time do you get to AT&T Stadium and do you sit in a luxury suite? So, I would say a lot has changed with the COVID area era. So, um uh, with COVID-19, there's not much tailgating going on and of course this was our first season, so I only get to the stadium 1 hour before kickoff. Um uh, and no, I do not sit in the luxury suite. I'm actually sitting in AT&T Stadium, where if you've been in that stadium, you know, every spot in that stadium is luxury, is, is grand. So um, I don't think there's a bad seat in anywhere in that stadium. But um, before COVID, I, I would go out and tailgate with some of the coaches while we was at the Giants. So I would get to the stadium about three hours before game time. But now I think a lot has changed. So I'm kind of just getting there, watching the game and immediately leaving. Do you travel with the team to the away games? So that's the downside with the NFL. No. <laughs> so I have not since we've been in it. No. So since I've been in the NFL, I have not traveled with the team. Um, they do give you opportunities when they do play abroad, like in London. Um, they do have um, – planes and travel accommodations that you can do with their 
um, travel agency. But that's the one perk that I did miss with from coming from college to the NFL. You know, with college, you know, this you can, you know, hop on a plane with with your husband and go to a bowl game or to one of the games. So yes, I have not been traveling with the team in the last um, ten years. So yeah, wow. I missed that perk. Did you ever go to the, I'm going to add one here. This is not the fan. This is Kristen here. <laughs> did you ever go to an away okay, game? No, that's, <laughs> I'm going to sneak one in for myself here. Uh, did you ever go to an away game in the NFL when y'all were with the Giants? Did you just pack the girls up and go away or was that hard? Yes. Um, I would do it now. I, I'm not going to call any teams out, but amongst some coaches wise in the NFL, depending on what, um division you in they like hey don't go to that stadium you know the fans are a little rough <laughs> uh but i i have been able <laughs> i have been able to um pack up the girls the good thing is all our division games uh we in the division where most of our teams are close by except for dallas um so it was easy to take the drive so i have been to a couple of away games where i just put the girls in the car and maybe bring a friend or two and just drive down and make it a, a, a weekend trip and do some sightseeing. So, yeah, I have been able to do that on my own. Okay. You've been in college coaching. How does it differ in terms of schedule and the life? Are the hours for your husband longer, shorter, or the same? So college hours are longer. Uh, I, I, I say this all the time that college, you work in 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know when the phone gonna ring and somebody say, Hey, I need you to come in early, or maybe a player might be going through something, and you always have all those functions from recruiting functions to maybe alumni booster functions. Um, and then you have to add on on top of that just the normal football program stuff that may be going on that um he needs to attend or you know, the wife needs to attend. So um, I always say there's no off-season seem like in college football. The good thing with the NFL is there is, you know, the time that you're going to work, right? Mm-hmm. And when you off, you off. Hmm. So you know when the off-season is. So your phone is not ringing like, hey, I need you to come in. If you off for that week, you are off. So that's the good thing about the NFL. You do have an off-season. Wow. That's something I didn't think about. I forgot about the recruiting piece of that. Um, They have scouts for that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So that takes out a huge chunk, a huge chunk. And in which they, you know, I would add this in. Um, Coaches, NFL coaches do go on the road, but they don't have to do as much as a college coach because that's what the scouting department is for. And you may, you know, Lunda have had um, the opportunity to go to certain colleges to look at specific players, um, you know, for his position. So, but normally it's a handful and you can kind of knock it out within, you know, a couple of days time. But yeah, that's kind of more put on the scouting department than than the position coach. In general, I know it changes with different programs and different coaches, and it can even change throughout the year. But in general, so games are on Sundays typically until, you know, obviously we have Monday night and Thursday night games, but let's pretend it's a Sunday game. Monday, what does hour, the hours look like? Are they going to get home really late? When do they, or do they have more time during the day? What's, what's the schedule look like? 
So they always, they work seven days a week, no matter whether they're playing on Sunday, Monday, or Thursday. Of course, you love the early Sunday games because you hate the Sunday nights and the Monday nights and the Thursday nights because it kind of throws your schedule off. Um, especially if it's like a back-to-back week where you just play Sunday night and you're going into the following week playing the Thursday or something. Um, but they pretty much work all through throughout the day, like a typical schedule for Lunda during the season is. He's probably up and out of here at maybe like 6, and I probably won't see him. That's if I'm still up maybe to about 10, 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesdays, we always say it's the longest night if they playing on Sunday, um, you know, doing different stuff to prepare for the, for the game. Um, the good thing is they do get, um, to leave the office early on Friday. So you at least get one, you know, I call it one family meal, mm-hmm. um, with your family a week. Um, that's only if you kind of playing on Sunday, cause again, it, it alternates, but if you're playing on a Thursday or um, a Thursday or a Monday. Um, but COVID has brought on some unique schedule pattern, patterns this year with being quarantined at times and different things like that. So it's kind of been a little flexible schedule this um, this season. We're also at times he's working from home um, with the whole COVID thing. Um, due to maybe there's some COVID concerns. So we, we've been fortunate to actually see him a little bit more than usual. Um, but of course he's working, but at least he's at home. So um, that's been a plus with COVID. So what's your favorite aspect about coaching in college and your favorite aspect about coaching in the NFL? I would say, the, I, I would combine both of them, but the the greatest joy I think for me is, especially coming from, college where you know we met so many guys from LSU and now they're in the league and now you see them go from I call it little boys when you met them at 16 17 to now you see them being dads and husbands and you see them in the NFL and Lunda has had the opportunity to actually have some of them on um, the team with him I think that's been the most rewarding thing for 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 me because it's almost full circle but at the same time it, it kind of tells me I'm getting older but um, it's been rewarding to see their progression and them achieve their goals that they said when they were 16 and um, 18 years old so that's been the the good thing about it. What do you think is the biggest difference for your husband in coaching someone who does this for a living instead of on a scholarship? And do you think that transition was hard just a little bit? I would say coaching someone on scholarship, of course, you taking them, taking a young guy who's fresh out of high school. And now for some guys, this is the first time they ever left like a small town or been away from their family. So at times when you get those guys in college, they're looking for a lot of guidance, but also you're trying to bridge that barrier of them missing home. With the NFL players, of course, you have these multi-million dollar players and now they have, you know, money at their fingertips, but also they have so many people um, at their disposal, you know, good and bad, that they're trying to navigate. But I think the commonality between both college and NFL players is that they all strive daily to be great at whatever position they play in. So that's whether they want to be 
uh, All-American, All-Pro Bowler in the NFL or to win a Heisman or to be, you know, in the Pro Bowl game at the end of the season or even to, you know, for their legacy to be in the College Hall of Fame or their School Hall of Fame or the NFL Hall of Fame, I think that drive and focus to be great is the same no matter if you're in college or in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You're very balanced. You're very grounded. I know you talk about your faith. Can you talk a little bit about how you balance all that with the demands of this hectic lifestyle and playing on Sundays, which is kind of a traditional day where people do go to church and things? So I will, I will be honest with you, Kristen. I had to learn how I was raised doesn't necessarily go with a coach's wise uh, routine. And so I had to learn that um, church on Sunday may not be for me and it's okay, you know, but that's how I was raised in terms of we always went to church on Sunday, but we've been fortunate every time we move. And this is something that we put on our top three list of things that we need to find Finding a church has been our, one of our top three things. And so we're looking for a church. We always try to find a church um, that had multiple service times. And for example, when we was at the Giants, we used to go to 730 church service in the morning on a Sunday. And then soon after church service was over with, right, we would go straight to the stadium for a one o'clock game. And that was kind of our, you know, routine if, you know, if it was allowed. Um, But some other things that's also been beneficial to us is we have very good relationships with um, several pastors and bishops that's kind of help us get through some of the rocky times and personal things that we may be going through where we can call them up. And they've been very good counselors for us. And um, also now with, you know, with COVID, everything is virtual. So it's a little bit easy to interact with church now, with the live streams now, um, or going back and rewatch the services on Sunday. And something that was beneficial to me um, personally that I did, um, I did Coaches Wise Bible Study because Mm -hmm. they will always do that during the week while the kids was at school. And you was in a room with people with similar struggles or similar issues, and you kind of encourage and feed off each other. And so we would choose a day out the week to sit down and, you know, discuss the word, but also kind of related to maybe what we're going through, you know, everybody calling for tickets or, you know, I don't want to be ungodly when somebody call me (laughs) because they harassing me because you don't feel like you're being judged because everybody in that room is having that and they will always give good advice. And I've been, you know, privileged to have really, you know, really good Bible studies um, in the past um, with with, with coaches wives. So that's kind of how we balance um our our spirituality but also grow you know we want to grow in the profession but with growing we also have to grow with grow with our spiritual walk with God oh I love it you're preaching good now Tiffany preaching good I love it Uh, don't call me a preacher (laughs) oh you're talking right I love it okay so what's one perk you didn't know you would get and is surprisingly awesome now, I would say this, okay, most uh, most coaches-wise, of course, depending on your team or your organization, they have different perks, you know, whether it's 
um, discounts to certain stores. And I think everybody pretty much has that Nike Elite account, which is awesome. Um, but I would say the best perk um, is the ability to reach people anytime you need them. And so from my experience, especially coming from where I had a support system to not having a support system, I was fortunate that we had all our doctor's personal number. And when you have um, sick kids and your husband might be on the road and we you're, you're panicking and you're like, hey, I need to know if I need to take my kid to the ER or not. Um, especially with me, I've had my own health challenges and um, our doctors was trusting enough knowing who we are um, to give us their personal numbers. And of course, we don't abuse it. You know, we don't call them every day for every little thing, you know, but they knew if Lunda and Tiffany call, they had to be something, um, you know, critical for them to, to call and to this day, a lot of my doctors are actually friends. So that's been a good perk that I think a lot of times, I guess, people may not take advantage of because people know that you understand um, privacy and boundaries because of what what our husbands do. So that's been the best perk so far. Okay. So I got all stalkery on your social media. I don't know when it was. But I noticed that you went to Good Morning America, okay? You know me, the TV girl, who was a morning show anchor on ABC. But I didn't quite make it to Good Morning America, okay? As you know. And so I saw you were a guest of Michael Strahan on the show. Can you tell me about that? So, yes. So uh, we met Michael um, during our years at the Giants. And um, Lunda is actually good friends with him. And so anytime uh, we wanted to go to Good Morning America, and he actually had his little show, um, his, I call it evening show, uh, mid-afternoon show. It was Strahan and some other people, but we would go and check it out during the off season. He's always welcoming for anything that we want to do. And it's actually a great experience. And look, Kristen, hopefully one day we can get you out there so you can go ahead and at least be a guest. But if you want to report, we'll, we'll try to find your report spot on it. Okay. All right. We're, I might hold you to this now. That's a, that's a big statement. You just said, you know, I'm a, a news junkie now, now sport, especially sports. Okay. So, you know, we all have those good days and those bad days and uh, there's just not a road we walk in this business and in all of the walks of life where you don't go through some adversity, those tough days. Um, can you take me to some days where you weren't sure how it was going to pan out? You know, you, you went through something and what did you rely on to get through those moments? So I would say since, you know, this is a coach's wise thing and something, you know, some people may say I'm young or whatever, or mid-range in the profession, I found that one of the hardest things was being a new person coming into whether organization or group or wise where people wasn't as welcoming to me. You know, some people have been um, cold and you think, hey, we all coaches wise and you know, you think everybody would have open arms and the harsh reality for me, especially at times when I was younger in the profession, it was like, hey, where well, everybody is not as welcoming. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I found that times that some people had, I guess, this hierarchy mentality or status mentality in terms of I've been here the longest or my husband has a, a higher rank on staff or make the most money on staff. And so sometimes with you being younger in the profession, you, you don't feel like you always have that support system from everyone in there. And I can think of a number of times that I've been excluded from events or not even addressed um, by certain wives, even after saying, you know, hello, just because they didn't see the value in me as a person, number one, and then the value in my husband or in um, his status or rank within the organization. And so that was kind of you know, tough to deal with in the beginning because I'm like, hey, my husband really wants to be a coach. You know, how am I going to deal with this barrier or this, you know, issue that I may be having with some of the wives? And I won't say all wives is like that, but I think that was one of the shocking things for me being a coach's wife that, you know, everybody doesn't welcome you with open arms. Very true. Wow. I am so glad you addressed this topic. And I'll be really honest with you. I've had, I don't know, 70 podcasts and no one's ever actually opened up and said that, but it's true. You aren't, you know, there's really? some staffs, yes, <laughs> and, but there's some staffs that it's truly like that where n- not everybody is welcome. And it's very, you know, how did you get through that? How how did that change you? I mean, does it make you approach things differently now that you're the tight ends coach's wife at Dallas? I think for me, I had to number one, look at myself and say, it's nothing wrong with me. Because Amen. sometimes, um, and, this is, and this is just maturity, you know, again, if you would have said this at 25, you know, you this wouldn't be me at 25 talking, getting into the profession. This is you know, years being around and then also having some good experiences from people. But I would say um, I had to do some self-reflection and say, it's not about me, it's their insecurity. And I can't allow their insecurities to be placed on me. Now, once I get past that point, I've always taken the approach and even I've had the opportunity for, you know, coaches move on and some new wives come in. I've always tried to treat people with respect and extend the olive branch, whether having the new coach and their wife or their kids, if they have kids, to come over to, you know, our house to kind of bridge that gap and kind of do it, you know, differently. Because I think a lot of times in the coaching community, a lot of times people will treat you the way they were treated. And if that means they were treated badly, they mm-hmm. just do the same thing. And so my main mission is to break that, you know, to say like, hey, just because somebody treated you badly, let's do it differently and let's try to welcome people. It doesn't mean that you have to be friends with um, every coach's wife that comes into the group, but at least have some kind of respect because we all in the same you know, we all in the same boat together. We all have our husbands away. We all trying to be, you know, professionals and wives and mothers. And sometimes it get overwhelming. And so you got to at least have some kind of respect and boundaries with that and not be, you know, not be mean towards that. But I, I, I would say my, my greatest experience was how um, Mrs. Judy Coughlin, um, she was coach, she's coach Coughlin's wife. 
And I never forget how welcoming she was when we came to the Giants. And um, I appreciate her wisdom. But one thing I gained from her was she set the tone of how everybody was supposed to be treated. And not only did that trickle down from her to the coaches' wives, it went from the coaches' wives to the players' wives and the significant others. And you saw the uniformity in terms of how people treated her. And so I always remember that, that, you know, hopefully one day Lunda does become a head coach that, hey, you treat everybody equal and with respect. And so from that, all the people that I come across, I always try to extend that olive branch, try to be there for them when they're in some of their lowest moments and not sit up there and give them the cold shoulder as people have given me in the past and still do, you know, people still give me the cold shoulder too. So it doesn't mean that it stopped. It's just that I know how to better deal with it now. Wow. That's powerful, Tiffany. Powerful. Oh, thank you. I'm telling you, there's some wives listening right here with tears in their eyes. They're walking through what you've walked through and they make decisions. And, you know, we listen to this podcast. We hear from others and you have a decision to make when, when you're listening, I have that type of powerful information, you know, am I going to reflect what I'm receiving or am I going to walk a higher road and not be this type of person one day that was the way it was true to me do better. And I think that's so powerful what you said and how to handle all that you know it's not uh it's not anything that you've done or i've done some people they're insecure within themselves you know i think that's wow that's good very insightful and i can tell you're an experienced coach's wife is this year 12 for you is that right I think we had like 13 or 14. 13 yeah, or 14. So we, okay. we, we, we up there. Yeah, we up yeah, there. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm like at like 17 or 18. Okay. What advice would you yeah. give a first year coach's wife? You kind of gave that, but is there anything you want to add to it? I would say it's a, it's a lot that's thrown at you in the first year, you know, and I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is watch and listen you know, first year is not meant for you to know who you are. And I didn't know who I was as a coach's wife, but being around other coaches' wives and seeing how they handled their position groups or how they um, interacted with their husbands or with their kids or how they balance and ask questions, ask questions from people um, that you feel comfortable with. Like, man, how do you handle um, being married to a coach, you know, you, you've been in it for 15, 20 years, you know, how do you do it? And I mean, I would love, you know, that's one of those things I always ask questions and nitpick because again, I don't know everything. And I take the wisdom of the people who's been in it 30 and 40 years or people that I admire and see how they handle um, certain things and say, Hey, you know, how do you do that? And I think from that, you, you sit up there and you grow as a coach's wife, but also at the same time, be supportive to your husband and his dreams and his goals, because the goals always change. It's never going to be the same from day one. And so as he's growing, you got to grow. And, and that's what makes it all better. Well, you're the backbone of a very successful coach. What do you think you've done that's helped contribute to the success that he's had that helps him that has led him to the Dallas Cowboys and your two successful daughters at home. What do you think you've done that's made this work? 
So I would say one thing I've always been to Lunda is I've always been his truth meter, right? Mm. Um, being a coach, you, you have so many people, as I call them, yes men, or tell you what you want to hear. And I tell Lunda at home, whether you like what I say or how I see, I'm always going to give you the truth about who you are or what may be going on. And um, the other thing is, I've always told Lunda, and, and again, I met Lunda before coaching. So when he said he wanted to coach, you know, I thought he was a little crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I had this revelation one day while I was sitting at a game, and I saw how much he was into um, coaching. And I say, you know what? I say, I can't discourage him in terms of what he wanted to do. I know he told me he was going to be an FBI agent. You know, he had his master's degree. And I thought he was crazy talking about this. But at that game, it hit me. And, and I had to, you know, at that point, I was his wife. And I said, I can't be a discourager of what he wants to do. And in that moment, I believed in him and believed in his talent as a coach, but I also felt like that was his purpose and his calling. Mm -hmm. And who am I to stop his calling from God? I got to help him fulfill that calling and that purpose. And so ever since then, I always say, you know, when times get low, I believe in you. Because at times, sometimes they don't believe in themselves, right? You got mm -hmm. a terrible season right? Half of your players injured. And injured. Of course, I, we can attest to that this year with our season. And you you sometimes have those, those low of low moments. And, you know, you still have to say, I believe in you and your mission and your purpose. And then also the other thing that I realize is I always keep our home, uh, as I call it, sacred ground in a peace. And so at home, you know, Lunda is Lunda here, or he's daddy. But in the world, a lot of people just know him as coach. And so being at home, he's just a regular person. And so that allows him to continue to be successful because, again, he has a wife and kids at home that's looking up to him, or even people that he may not think about, that little boy who has the desire to be a coach maybe looking at him and so at home I keep normalcy and but I'm also his truth meter I love that this business is so competitive he has one of 32 jobs in the country at tight ends have you ever thought but this road hasn't been easy right so you guys were off the field for a while you paid your dues you're patient and right. has there been a job that you thought he would get and he didn't and what did you say to him in that darkest hour, you know, right, right about now is January, February, um, when that's, and there's coaching transition, there's people that have gotten fired all across the country, or maybe there's, you know, there's hardship. What did you say to your husband to keep him encouraged? I would say the biggest thing is, you know, he's been on interviews. First thing is you just hoping you get an interview, right? Right. And, you know, we always use this term. It's like, musical chairs in the coaching profession right you want to be the you don't want to be the last man standing you want to be the person sitting down and it is very competitive and you know there's been times that you know we thought certain opportunities would be for us and it wasn't and you know you you're frustrated in that but then it goes back to our faith 
And one thing I can say now, sitting back and looking at our journey, um, those doors that was closed for us was meant to be closed because there was a bigger blessing on the other side. And so sometimes that might have meant us staying at a particular place a year longer, or that meant us moving elsewhere, but the blessings been bigger on the other side. And so a lot of times with encouraging him, I'd be like, we just got to stay the course. We got to trust God's plan and be content in this moment of, you know, being fired. You know, even though I say we was at the Giants for eight years, we have been fired three times. And Lunda had to interview each time they brought in a new head coach to prove his work to a guy that he didn't know. You know, Um, all the people that he's worked for, he has not worked for them before. He has proven himself through interviewing. And again, that takes a lot of um, skill and that takes a lot of humbling yourself and saying, hey, I hope that I can make an impression where I'm able to stay. And so we've been fortunate that we've been blessed, um, like I said, to have the longevity, but also him being able to, you know, people giving him the opportunity to interview and they believed in what he said in that room. And so that's been a, a blessing. And, you know, I always say it's certain doors that's been open that we couldn't orchestrate it. You know, no matter how many times we try looking at it, like, man, how you got the job at the Giants or how you got the job at Dallas? Those was doors that was opened by God. And, you know, we always pray. We always steadfast the course. And we also um, understand that what's given to us, no man can take it away. And what's for us is for us. And so that's kind of been our, you know, our motto. And so, yeah, you feel defeated at times when you lose that job. But I'm sure when you when you're sitting at home or you look at other people past and a lot of times, you know, you look at other people past and you'd be like, your past is different and is made just for you. Mm. Wow, that's good, Tiffany. I mean, this is exactly <laughs> you're speaking to the hearts of so many women across the country right now. You know, oh, just, thank you. I I'm appreciate that. You, I'm telling you. This has been amazing. Okay, so you land the big job, you get the call, you're headed to Dallas, going to Texas. Do you have any big traditions after you something huge happens or after wins? Um, I would say, okay, we haven't been to the Super Bowl, Kristen, so that, you know, so I'm hoping we get there. <laughs> uh, but we have been to the national championship, and, of course, we made it there, and we, we lost terribly. Uh, but I wouldn't say that we have any traditions and I, I think you're excited when you win and the momentum because you're like I think for me you're kind of like oh okay good the big game is normally the last game of the season right mm-hmm. so you're kind of like oh okay football season is over with right so right. but the longer I've been in this profession and, and you know this you know I wish everybody could win mm-hmm. because on the other side of that field or, you know, or somewhere at home, you know, there's a wife and a family that's like just devastated. And most of the time you, you know, those people, or you know, someone on staff, you know, and you wish, man, everybody can win because everybody wife is making the sacrifice. Yeah. Everybody kid is missing daddy at the dance recitals or basketball games. 
Um, you know, every wife has to sacrifice that time for maybe a player that might need your husband. And so, you know, the coaches is, is working, you know, from sunup to sundown and even past sundown. And so you wish that the amount of time and effort and sacrifice, you know, everybody can win. And that's the hardest thing about the game. And so a lot of times reality sets in and you're like, I have to kind of take it down a notch because I'm also sympathetic for the person who didn't win. Mm. And so I, I, I kind of balance that out and kind of say, okay, we won a game that's great, but you also wish that that other person can win because we all in this journey together. Mm. So how do you two stay connected during the season? Do you all have a, a date night? Um, so it, we try to do, I call it fi- Friday family night. Um, since, you know, that's kind of been our routine the last, you know, nine, nine years. Um, with COVID, it's been a little, you know, a little hectic because, you know, you can't go out anywhere. But pre-COVID, we would try to do more of our date nights, I call it, during the off-season. We've also done um, just a couple trips, just Lunda and I, we would choose a place to go and leave the kids with the grandparents, and we would do that during the off-season. But with COVID now, it's kind of been a little tricky. We do try to go out on special days, like anniversaries or birthdays. But most of the time, we've been at home. Um, and the good thing with us being in Texas, we got more warmer days so we can enjoy the pool and sit outside. So we put the kids to bed and go outside and talk or maybe eat dinner. Uh, if it's one of his nights that he gets off early. Um, but normally by, by week is kind of the time that we do some, um, lunch dates, I call it because the kids are at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, at school so we're able to go in and do little lunch dates just him and I um together but most of the time our time together is during the off season now how do you connect with players and their families in the NFL is it pretty much structured by the organization I mean in college you kind of have them over to eat and stuff like that but they're all a lot of them have kids and married and a lot of things going on do you is it different in the NFL with connecting with players and their families it is different and it's also unique. Um, I think with college, it's a little bit easier and you spend, I call it years with them sometime, right? Because mm-hmm. most players stay at the university between three to four years. And then you think about the years that you've been recruiting them. I mean, some of them you started seeing maybe they sophomore or junior year coming um, up to games. So you kind of then built this relationship. Uh, so it's a little bit easier to navigate in college with building relationships. And like you said, um, having them over to dinner. I know we've done a ton of those in college, um, having them over like once a week or once a month. And the NFL is a little bit harder because, again, you're dealing with adults, you know, you know, that's, you know, been out there and they have their own money, their own families and wives. But something that Luba and I have done um, in the past, and I'm going to say pre-COVID, because again, COVID changed a lot of things. Pre-COVID, what we will always do is invite the players and their wives or significant others and their kids over to our house for like a barbecue or dinner. Um, if we're new to the staff in terms of the new coach coming in or we have new players coming in, we try to do a one-on-one dinner with each player in the room and their wife. 
Mm. Um, just so they can get to know us and then we can get to know them outside the, the building. Mm. Um, of course, um, COVID has kind of, you know, put some restrictions on us. And of course the NFL had tight restrictions on the coaches in terms of the amount of people they could be around and doing stuff and having those events at your house. Um, but something that I did do, um, just to kind of, um, since we was new to the staff this year with the Cowboys, um, to the wise, I did, uh, um, these are a few of my favorite things bag. And so I put certain things in the bag so they could get to know me being their husband's position coach wife. So, of course, you know, I said I'm from Marrero, New Orleans. I put some of my favorite goodies in there, like, you know, Zaps potato chips. You know, I'm still a sucker for those. Yeah, uh, yeah. And different things like that, just to say, hey, you know, the reason why I put those in there is, you know, I'm a New Orleans girl. And uh, just so they can know me, uh, and hopefully the opportunity allows us to get together in person where we can kind of do some of the things that we've done in the past with Lunda position groups. But now I think we have to kind of be a little bit more creative mm-hmm. at a distance with kind of reaching out to the families and stuff. Wow. That's neat. I didn't think about you had a sphere of influence, not till actually this podcast where it's more than the player, but sometimes it's the wife and the kids too. That's really neat. And then there's... The- Right. Well, there's the wives right. and, 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 and like the staff not, too. Right. And you have to remember, you know, I call it when maybe, you know, we've had these situations where maybe their parents have passed or parents have been sick. You know, it's a little bit more in depth or, um, you know, a player wife is pregnant. So, you know, you try to remember that and, and people has also have losses. So you, you don't want to, you know, everything is not, you know, all fun and games because sometimes you do realize that people do lose family members mm-hmm. or kids through the season and still try to be that support system and let them know that you're thinking about them. So um, in the past, it's been a little bit easier because you can do in person. Mm-hmm. Um, now you kind of have to, you know, come up with a creative way of trying to especially for us where we were new, right. where they never saw us, you know, they, they met, you know, they might can Google or something, but they, you know, us find us on Facebook or something or social media, but they never met us in person. So just to let them know, like, Hey, I'm still here for you. I'm still, you know, even though we hadn't met like, Hey, I still keep up what's going on with you. Like, Hey, I know you get married this summer or you having a baby still kind of let them know that you're still keeping up with them. Hmm. I'm hearing you do Bible studies with the fellow staffs, uh, fellow coaches, wives, um, very involved. I absolutely love this. Do you personally get any downtime? If you do, what do you like to do for yourself? <laughs> I say, I think, I think I'll get down, downtime when, when, you know, when I leave this earth, when it's time for me to go to heaven, but, um, uh, I think this is the the season of being busy, you know, especially with having young kids and you know this, you want to absorb all that energy and then also just the experience of being a coach's wife, you know, you realize a lot of people wish they could sit up in the stadium and go to a game and you, you realize that it's a privilege 
to have this experience and also you kids to have this experience. But um, I, I do have some downtime. I think COVID has allowed me to have some downtime because not as many events and going out to different things. But like you said, I've uh, I've done Bible study and then um, also like with just with other coaches' wives in the past, we used to do um, lunches and sometimes it's hard because especially when we was at the Giants, everyone was kind of scattered out, mm-hmm. so everybody didn't stay close. But the few that I stayed close, you know, in the area where we would do lunches. Um, or have them over. We would go over, watch the Super Bowl with other coaches and their wives, and or do play dates. And you know, you kind of form that that relationship. Or just a midday, if somebody was staying around the corner from you, you'd be like, "Hey, I'm cooking something." You know, since I'm a Louisiana girl, everybody knows me as the person that can cook. So they're right. like, "Hey, I'm coming over to get something to eat." So <laughs> you know those those type of things, which was good. You know, kind of you know break up your routine, but also give your kids the ability to play with somebody. That's awesome. Hey, I made red beans and rice tonight. I think you would approve. All right, man. All right. I tried. I tried. A little Tony Sashery's on top, you know. Tried to help it out a little. Hey, bit. that that that's all. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> what do you say is the most rewarding aspect to you about being a coach's wife? I would say the most rewarding thing, and and I would say because my experience is a little bit different. Um, but us coming from college, and and I kind of mentioned this earlier. With us coming from college. And now being in the NFL, I think seeing a lot of these young men grow from, you know, young boys to men and now seeing them, you know, I guess taking the advice of their coaches in high school and college and in the NFL now becoming husbands and um, fathers and seeing them grow in the world and you kind of say hey a part of your legacy a part of your legacy is in them especially with Lunda being with them when you think about it you you know if you play in the NFL for 10 years you know that's who you've been around most of the time and you see a part of your legacy within them and building relationships with people and meeting you know, great people, like I'm fortunate to be able to meet you and still have, you know, a relationship with you and see you grow. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the most amazing thing about being a coach's wife. Rapid fire questions for you. Ready? All right. I'm ready. Let's go. What's the last book you've read? Okay. I'm not a big reader besides reading kids homework. But the last thing I read will probably be my Bible study lesson. So, uh, you know, not a, not as much time. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Coach surprises you walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? Okay. If it's a dead artist, it would be Prince because I never got a chance to see Prince. Um, if it's alive, I would say I haven't seen these people in concert. It would be Jonathan McReynolds, PJ Martin. And my go-to all-time favorite is Babyface because he does an awesome job. But with me being the Louisiana girl, I would never turn down any tickets to Jazz Fest or Essence Fest. There you go. There you go. Okay, what's one thing (laughs) non-tech that you or your coach can't live without? Each other. Oh, very good. Each other. We got to have each other. Yeah. 
If you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? I would say Michelle and Barack Obama. I would love to pick Michelle's brain on how she handled being a wife of a guy in the public eye. You get a night alone. What show would you binge watch? Anything Marvel. I could rewatch any Marvel movie. <laughs> That's not what I thought you would say. <laughs> what you thought I would say? I don't know. Like the notebook. <laughs> like the notebook. <laughs> you threw me there. You threw me there. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What's your go-to meal to cook? I would say jambalaya. Oh, I won't have to come down to Dallas. I'm only like eight hours from you. I got to have some of this. Hey, come on down. Okay. What sport can you beat Coach Wells in? I know this is going to sound crazy, but air hockey. I cannot beat him in anything else. What's your most impressive skill? Um, I'm creative and crafty. Oh, okay. So I, don't, I, the, I love do doing crafts. Like, what's your it, last It just craft? depends. Like, when I... Um, the last craft I did was for Christmas. Remember, I talked about the um, favorite things oh, for yeah. the um, players' wives. I actually made the monogram bag. <gasps> oh, mm-hmm. I have to send you a picture. Yes, I yeah, want to see this. That was the last thing. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah. was the last craft I did. Mm-hmm. Do you decorate your house? Like, are you into that? Um, yes, I am. So right now, I tell people it takes me a while, but I, I am into that. So right now, uh, with the new house, I always say you move to a new house and you feel like the old stuff don't fit in. Right. So um, we still, I'm still trying to figure it out. But certain sections of the house I have together. So like the guest room is together. I'm still trying to figure out our room. But like the girls' room, I figured it out. You know, we have a theater room upstairs. So like I figured that out. But I'm just still working on our room, Lunda and I room. It hadn't hit me yet. <laughs> if you had a superpower, what would that be? Invisible. Mm, mine too. I hear a lot of answers on this show. <laughs> I would straight up walk into certain rooms, be invisible, and find out what's going on. Right. Right. That's what I said. Okay, last question. What would be your walk-up song? All I do is win. (laughs) (laughs) Did I throw you on that one? (laughs) Oh, that felt right. That felt right. Okay. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing with us. I can't tell you how powerful insightful and absolutely amazing this has been oh thank you so much for having me it was such an honor to do this this podcast is brought to you by brewer of hope brewer of hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children if you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation you can use venmo at brewer-hope or online at brewerofhope.org for a replay of this episode or previous episodes visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.